Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. Welcome back to Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. It's great to be with you today. I am Boyd Matheson. And as we continue to watch things unfold in Ukraine, again, it's almost midnight in the capital of Kiev. And it was about uh, this kind of space, this kind of timing that a lot of the things started to ratchet forward uh, last night, uh, local time here in Utah. And we're continuing to monitor all of those things. We'll bring you up to the minute. We do know that coming up uh, just 10 minutes from now, the United States Senate is scheduled to receive a briefing uh, that I believe is supposed to include uh, Secretary of State Blinken uh, as uh, well as Secretary Austin and others. So that will be an interesting thing to see what comes out of that meeting. I don't believe it's a secure briefing. Uh, so it will be interesting to see what the members of the United States Senate uh, will say or won't say coming out of that and what they learn in terms of where we really are and in terms of what's going on. Uh, so those are things we're going to continue to watch. Uh, we've been covering, obviously, throughout the day, the uh, response, the speech from uh, President Joe Biden. And again, he was really speaking to multiple audiences, to the American people, to our allies around the world, to the Ukrainian people. Uh, to the people of Russia and to Vladimir Putin very directly in terms of some of those sanctions and what uh, the United States would and would not do. Uh, as we look at all of this and we try to make sense of it all, uh, I do think it's it's important. I want to go back to this conversation that I had uh, previously with H.R. McMaster because I, I do think there is just something in there that we seem to be missing uh, as we go about what we do and don't do. Uh, what kind of strategy we actually develop, what kind of tactics we deploy. Uh, and those are the two things you always have to w- look at, strategy and tactics. You have to have both. Uh, sometimes I have felt over the course of this that the administration has been very tactic-oriented and reactionary. In other words, responding to the things that Vladimir Putin has been doing over the course of the last months and weeks uh, and even within the last 24 hours. Uh, that's very transactional. It's very tactical. And I think in, in order to really rally the world, uh, we've heard from some of our, our guests uh, during the show today, Mark Fisher uh, from The Washington Post and David Salvo, uh, talking about how you hold this coalition together and how difficult that is going to be over time. We know already that this uh, idea of sanctioning Russia and excluding them from what is known as the SWIFT system, which is how a lot of these countries uh, interact financially with Russia, uh, that uh, it's one thing for the U.S. to call for that. I think the U.S. would like to do that. 
but there's a good chunk of Europe, uh, including Germany, Italy, Hungary, and Cyprus, who are so intertwined with Russia financially that th- that would really be devastating to them. So they're not for that. Uh, you've got other places, uh, very interesting, Poland, Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, who are saying, if we don't do the SWIFT sanctions, uh, nothing else is really going to matter in the end because Vladimir Putin's going to have the funds he needs, be able to sell the oil he wants, uh, and collect the cash that will enable him to continue to fo- fund his war effort and his activities inside of Ukraine. And and so holding it all together is going to require some some real leadership. And I, I do think it's important that we look at this in terms of how President Biden is going to navigate that and how he's going to lead that. Uh, my conversation with former National Security Advisor H.R. McMaster, uh, we talked about this idea of when we often when we talk about foreign relations or national security or America's role in the world. Uh, here's where the conversation typically goes. It goes towards words like might, strength, weapons, sanctions, capability, military. And what if that clearly narcissistic approach, That's because those are all words that are based on us. So it's a narcissistic approach, uh, and it makes international matters worse in a lot of places. So uh, a better strategy uh, is what H.R. McMaster refers to as strategic empathy. And I remember the first time he said that phrase to me, strategic empathy, I thought, never in my life would I have imagined a military person talking to me about strategic empathy. Who'd believe that? Who would listen in on that? Uh, but the more I spoke with H.R. Uh, McMaster, the more I realized that a lot of the mistakes we make in international foreign affairs is because we're so incredibly narcissistic. Uh, so we have to figure out a way to look at the world, not from our own point of view, but how do you make it make sense from somebody else's point of view? What's their driving force? What is it that they're, uh, committed to in terms of outcome? Because this, uh, center of the universe mentality usually doesn't lead us to good diplomacy. Uh, we've obviously seen that with Vladimir Putin. Uh, and that's the same, whether it's a business, <laughs> whether it's a government, a country, or whether it's a personal relationship. Because strategic narcissism, looking at the world through your own lens, prevents you from seeing how the other person involved, uh, they have their independence. They have their individual will, their agency to act on things that have nothing to do with you. So the argument for strategic empathy uh, is not to be confused with sympathy. That's a a different discussion for a different day. Uh, It's really just viewing these complex challenges as well as opportunities that go with it, from the perspective of the other side. In particular, rivals, adversaries, and and even enemies. And you look at those enemies, and uh, that makes everything change a little bit. So do we have strategic empathy in terms of what Vladimir Putin is really doing and how he will act? Again, he has his agency, he has his interest, and so how is he going to move that forward? Uh, It's not going to be just based on how many F-35s we send to Germany or to Poland as backup or as to support uh, United Nations efforts. So when you when you look at all of those components, it, it leads us to an interesting place that we've been talking about all week, ironically. And it's this study of history, because the study of history is actually a study of humility. It allows you to understand its uh 
you're not the first to encounter the problem you're encountering. Uh, as a leader, you can learn from the experiences of others. You can apply those. You can also learn what's been really effective, what's uh, been interesting, and, and what hasn't worked. And I really think that uh, studying the lessons of history is so important to us because we, we do often just repeat them. We're seeing it right now. Uh, the fact that Vladimir Putin is functioning out of a, an old school ground game playbook, I, I think, has been surprising and even shocking to some of the uh, people at the highest levels of the United States government and military, that he would go back to that kind of playbook to carry thing carry everything out. And so... As we look at where we go next, I uh, love that we had David Levitt on to, to get some of that uh, empathy component in terms of what the Ukrainian people are dealing with from those who have formerly held high office, uh, like former President Yushchenko, uh, who is clearly on a, a list of people that Vladimir Putin would love to take out, to the anom- anonymous and humble people of Ukraine who are trying to figure out how to get out or how to stay safe. Or what does the future hold for them? And so in all of this, I I think it is going to be a serious study in leadership at every level. And the question for all of us is, can we be humble? Can we get past our own strategic narcissism and our own social media bubble? And can we get to strategic empathy for everybody? I'm Boyd Matheson. Thanks for joining us on Inside Sources today. As always, as you go out into the world, see something that inspires, say something that uplifts, and do something today that'll make a difference. Your all-day resource for critical breaking news, traffic and weather, and conversation about Utah's most important stories. Listen on any smart speaker, the KSL News Radio app, and in your car at 102.7 FM. KSL FM Midvale, KSL Salt Lake City, KSL News Radio, Utah's all-day companion for news. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.